Part 1. The Science of You Chapter 1. The Quantum You Early physicists divided the world into matter and thought, and later, matter and energy. Each member of those pairs was considered to be entirely separate from the other, but they're not. Nevertheless, this mind-matter duality shaped our early world view that reality was essentially predetermined and that people could do little to change things through their own actions, let alone their thoughts. Fast forward to our current understanding, that we are part of a vast, invisible field of energy which contains all possible realities and responds to our thoughts and our feelings. Just as today's scientists are exploring the relationship between thought and matter, we're eager to do the same in our own lives. And so we ask ourselves, can I use my mind to create my reality? If so, is that a skill that we can learn and use to become who we want to be and to create the life we want to experience? Let's face it, none of us is perfect. Whether we'd like to make some change to our physical self, emotional self, or spiritual self, we all have the same desire. We want to live life as an idealized version of who we think and believe we can be. When we stand in front of the mirror and look at our love handles, we don't just see that slightly too pudgy vision reflected in the glass. We also see, depending on our mood that day, a slimmer, fitter version of ourselves, or a heavier, chunkier version. Which of our images is real? When we lie in bed at night reviewing our day and our efforts to be a more tolerant, less reactive person, we don't just see the parent who lashed out at our child for failing to quietly and quickly submit to a simple request. We envision either an angelic self whose patience was stretched like an innocent victim on the rack, or a hideous ogre laying waste to a child's self-esteem. Which of those images is real? The answer is, all of them are real. And not just those extremes, but an infinite spectrum of images ranging from positive to negative. How can that be? For you to better understand why none of those versions of self is more or less real than the others, I'm going to have to shatter the outmoded understanding about the fundamental nature of reality and replace it with a new one. That sounds like a major undertaking, and in some ways it is. But I also know this. The most likely reason why you were drawn to this book is that your past efforts to make any lasting change in your life, physical, emotional, or spiritual, have fallen short of the ideal of yourself that you imagined. And why those efforts failed has more to do with your beliefs about why your life is the way it is than anything else including a perceived lack of will, time, courage, or imagination. Always, in order to change, we have to come to a new understanding of self and the world so that we can embrace new knowledge and have new experiences. That's what reading this book will do for you. Your past shortfalls can be traced, at their root, to one major oversight. You haven't committed yourself to living by the truth that your thoughts have consequences so great that they create your reality. 
The fact is that we are all blessed. We can all reap the benefits of our constructive efforts. We don't have to settle for our present reality. We can create a new one whenever we choose to. We all have that ability because for better or worse our thoughts do influence our lives. I'm sure you've heard that before, but I wonder whether most people really believe this statement on a gut level. If we truly embrace the notion that our thoughts produce tangible effects in our lives, wouldn't we strive to never let one thought slip by us that we didn't want to experience? And wouldn't we focus our attention on what we want instead of continually obsessing about our problems? Think about it. If you really knew that this principle were true, would you ever miss a day in intentionally creating your desired destiny?